Before we get started, I want to remind you that if there's anything that you need prayer for, don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today we're celebrating Pentecost. Pastor is going to be teaching us about the three kinds of baptism. Baptism into the body of Christ, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's see what Pastor Dwayne has to say about these and how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Today is the day of Pentecost. 50 days days after Passover. And uh, I wanted to start the message today a little bit different than normal. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 2. And in this chapter, it's talking about the fundamental doctrines of Christ. And it says in verse 2, the doctrine of baptisms, plural, plural. And a lot of people uh, misunderstand what's being said here because there's another place where it talks about one baptism. And they say, well, which is true? And uh, the answer is both. And we will get to that in just a moment. But this morning, I want to talk to you very quickly about three baptisms, three separate events. The first, you need to go to heaven. The second, you need to be obedient to Christ. And then it's the second and the third that bring you to the degree of victorious living where you are a witness that Jesus wants you to be. Well, the first one, he said, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And really the first baptism is a baptism that takes place automatically and it is done by the Holy Spirit. When a person receives Christ, the Holy Spirit takes that person and baptizes, literally, by the way, it means immerses into the body of Christ. Now, we have a very, very faulty concept of what Christianity is in the Western world. Western Christianity is messed up. We we, we think that it's just about a relationship with God. But if you look at your Bible, it's about a relationship with God and people. He puts you into the body of Christ. Right. Um, so people say, well, can't I just be a Christian at home? The answer is no. Say, because you think it's just about what you believe, but it's not. It's about what you believe and what you do. Right? So that's why the Bible over 30 times talks to us about what we need to do to one another. <laughs> and it's nice stuff, all right? Pray for one another, encourage one another, build each other up carry one another's burdens, right? It talks over 30 times about what you're going to do to one another, to the body of Christ, to other believers. And and some people say, well, I love Jesus. I just can't stand the church. You know, that'd be like you saying to me, hey, I really like you, but I think Jeannie sucks. (laughs) We're going going to have some trouble. You understand? This is not going to go over, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that there should be no schisms in the body. Now, when somebody separates, immediately it's a schism, right? But that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Ephesians 4, for whom the whole body joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are called to be a part of a body. And the first thing that happens when a person is saved is the Holy Spirit takes the person 
and spiritually puts them into the body of Christ. And what we are supposed to do then is we are supposed to physically do what the Holy Spirit has done and participate in the body of Christ. So the first baptism is really a baptism by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And when the Bible talks about one baptism, one faith, one Lord, that's what it's talking about. Everybody goes through that one baptism taken by the Spirit into the body of Christ. The second type of baptism I want to talk about in just a moment is water baptism. You know, this is when Jesus uh, arose, appears to his disciples, and he says, go into all the world, teach them all things that I have commanded you, baptizing them, baptizing them. So this is something that Jesus said we need to do. And, and listen, for a lot of you, this is your next step. This is your next step. You say, what does God want me to do? He wants you to be baptized in water. Now, and by the way, the Bible says to repent and believe. So if you are baptized before you repent, that is not Christian water baptism. Right? Christian water baptism is you repent and then you're baptized. And I know when I was, I don't know, two weeks old, whatever, you know, I was brought to church and they, they, they sprinkled me, right? And that was very important to my parents. It was them making a commitment to God. But that is not Christian water baptism. Christian water baptism takes place after you repent, right? And it's an identification that you personally do with Christ. So for some of you, that's your next step. You, you haven't been baptized since you believed. Now, when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt. And by the way, they're called the church in the wilderness, right? They come to the Red Sea. Moses extends the rod. The sea parts. They cross through the sea, right? And by the way, it's interesting that the Bible mentions specifically when they did that, right? They did it all night, right? All night. 1 Corinthians 10 says they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, it was a type of leaving the world. They left Egypt, and the first thing God does is he brings them to water to get baptized. Right? And they're baptized unto Moses as they go through the sea, a type of water baptism. Right? And they're under the cloud. And the Bible tells us that the cloud was a pillar of fire at night. So they were baptized in water, and they were baptized, and we could say fire. John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, right? I think it's interesting that Jesus actually gives us an example of water baptism. Now, Jesus is living up in the Galilee, right, by the Sea of Galilee, not too far away in a town called Nazareth. Now, John is baptizing way down in the Judean desert, right? It's over 60 miles and Jesus walks 60 miles to get water baptized and then walks 60 miles back, by the way. Right? Now, it was that important to Jesus to show us, be an example to us of water baptism. And, and you've heard me say this before, perhaps, but water baptism is not a, just a ritual. Water baptism is extremely, extremely powerful. 
What Moses told the children of Israel was, he said, the people that you see today that are oppressing you, he says, you will see them no more again forever. It is a separation from the world. It is a wall by faith that your old life cannot pursue you. But now we want to talk about that third type of baptism today. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water, said under repentance, but there is one coming after me whose shoe I'm not worthy to bear. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist identified Jesus as going to do something that had not happened before. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people at periods of time, kings, prophets. But he's saying Jesus is going to come and do something that has not been done before. He's going to come. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, after Jesus arose from the dead, the Bible says in Acts 1 and verse 4, and being assembled together with them, that's the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard of me. And he's going to tell us what the promise is. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, when a person receives Jesus, they are taken by the Holy Spirit, put into the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of them, right? Every believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside. But what Jesus wants to do is something different. Jesus wants to do something more. He wants to baptize, literally immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's referred to as being filled. You get so full that it's, on the out, it's just outside. Now, there is a difference between taking a glass of water and going swimming. Right? Now, what happens when we get saved is the Holy Spirit comes on the inside. We can say that's like a glass of water. But what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to go swimming. He, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Verse 6 and 7, the disciples talk to Jesus about the kingdom, and they say, are you going to restore it now to Israel? And Jesus said, look, this is not what we're talking about, and it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. And we've talked about this. God will restore the kingdom to Israel, but you will receive power, dunamis. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So when he talks about this baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, he says the result is going to be you're going to have power, right? The Greek is the word dunamis, universal inherent power, the power of performing miracles, moral power, excellence of soul. He says, something's going to come upon you, and it is going to bring power. Now, when Jesus arose from the dead, he appears to his disciples, and he said to his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father sends me, even so send I you. This is John 20, 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, did they receive? Go like this. Okay. Yes, they did. Universally. That is accepted as a yes. Yes. Yes, they did. All right. But then he tells them later, wait in Jerusalem 
until you be endued with power from on high because you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is doing is he's identifying these two experiences as being separate experiences, right? So he's saying, you've already had the Holy Spirit, but there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is going to come upon you. And of course, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falls on the church. And really, that's the day the church, as we know the church today, begins. You know, in Acts chapter 6, they have some problems and they, they, they select some men to be deacons. And not very long later, in Acts chapter 8, one of the deacons goes down to the city of Samaria. It says that Philip, he's a deacon, he goes down to the city of Samaria, he preaches Christ to them. It says the people with one accord gave heed to the things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many were possessed with them. Many were taken with palsy and that were lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip's preaching concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They believed and were baptized. In Mark 16, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Are they saved? Do this again. Yep, they're all saved, all right? Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. That's interesting. They're saved, and the Holy Spirit's living inside them, but they say they need to receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Only they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So how many of them had been baptized in the Holy Spirit? None. How many had believed and been water baptized? All. See, it was, see, here's, here's what, we, what we think so often. We think, well, when I got saved, I got everything. Well, you need to ask the question, have I received the Holy Spirit since I believed? Because that's what Paul asked the believers in Ephesus. These people were saved and water baptized, but they had not received the Holy Ghost. He had not yet fallen upon any of them or none of them, only they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received, they received the Holy Ghost. Now, notice they received. It wasn't forced on them. It wasn't something that was automatic. They received, right? They received. And, and, and nothing has changed in 2,000 years. The believers still need to receive, right? As Paul is on his way to Damascus, he's about to persecute the church. Jesus appears to him in a vision and knocks him off his donkey. And he said, Paul said, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus answered and said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks or against the groats. So he goes into Damascus. Now, Jesus has appeared to him in a vision. He's called him Lord. Right? And Ananias is a believer in the city of Damascus. And Jesus appears to him in a vision and says, go. And, and he's like, you know, I really don't want to go. And, and Jesus said, look, you need to go. This, this, this man... 
I've called him. He's going to do great things in the kingdom of God. So Ananias went his way. He entered into the house and put his hands on him, excuse me, and said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared to you in the way as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. He received his sight forthwith and rose and was baptized. Now, he had been, he was already a believer, right? And he came in, he said, brother, brother Saul. How many of you know this kind of church talk, brother? When you don't know their name, brother. You all know what I'm talking about. I do it all the time. I know everybody's face and like, I'm not the best with name. Brother, brother, sister, hallelujah. <laughs> you all know, wait, wait, okay. He's a believer. All right, but he lays hands on him that he might receive the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting over in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, you know, I speak with tongues more than you all. Now, Peter ends up at Cornelius' house. And Cornelius is the first non-Jew that's really preached to uh, by Peter and accepted as a part of the church, right? But while he's, he's at his house and he spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. They who were the circumcised, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. And then Peter said, who can forbid water? And he commanded them to be baptized in water. The normal order is you believe, Holy Spirit comes on the inside. You're baptized in water, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus is a great example. Jesus goes, he's water baptized, and as he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. All right? In Acts 19, it says, And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Every believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. Every single one. It's automatic. When you are taken by the Holy Spirit and put baptized into the body of Christ, he's living on the inside of you. But have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard that there be a Holy Ghost. They went to the same church I did when I grew up. <laughs> because we didn't know about him either. All right? We did know he existed. All right? Because he's mentioned in the Apostles' Creed, right? And we would, we would say the Apostles' Creed. But other than that, we never talked about him, ever, ever. And they said, well, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. And he said, well, then how were you baptized? Because when you're water baptized, you ought to at least hear about the Holy Spirit, right? Because you're going to be baptized in the name of the Son and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So you should, when you're water baptized, at least hear. And they said, well, we just were baptized into John's baptism. Right? And he said to them, well, John, 
he, he had a baptism of repentance saying the people should believe on him who's going to come afterwards. That's on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now, notice they were water baptized and nothing happened. But when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied, right? The believers at Ephesus received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not forced on them. It was not something that was automatic. They weren't made to receive. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift. And, and because he's a gift, you need to receive him by faith. That, that's why Jesus said that God will give the Holy Spirit to all those who ask. Ask. We, we, we need to ask. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mushing, rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire that sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want you to notice, it says they spoke. The Spirit gave them the utterance. Right? The only responsibility of the Holy Spirit to you or anybody else is to give you utterance, just like he did on the day of Pentecost. Right? He comes to give utterance, but you do the speaking. You do the speaking. He gives the utterance, you can do the speaking. I remember when, when, when I, I was saved and, and they, they told me I needed to receive the Holy Spirit and they put me down in a chair and I, I sat in a chair. We have a chair? We'll have a chair next service. All right. And I sat in that chair and they came around me and they laid hands on me and they prayed for me and they said, you know, they said, stick your hands up in the air. And I'm sticking my hands in there and they laid hands on me and they prayed and they said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm waiting. And, and, you know, they're saying, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, worship God. And you know, God's going to give you utterance, speak. And, and I don't know if it was 15 minutes or how long it was, but I know my mouth got really dry. And I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to take my tongue and grab it. All right. But, but that's not at all what the Bible says. It says they began to speak, right? And when they spoke, the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. I, I, I remember, you know, I left, I was confused. And, and over the next couple of, couple of weeks, I thought, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't God do something? God, I, I'm your son. I want to love you. I want to serve you. God. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Right? And, and I remember it was a few months later when, when I, I finally like said, God, you know, we, we this tongue saying, we need to get this thing settled. You know? And you need to do this right now. And this may sound kind of crazy, but this is what this is really, I remember this as clear as a bell. All right? Uh, I, I, I was... I was in one of the rooms over by the library at Calvin College. We'd had a prayer meeting, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, I just said, God, if you don't, I'm going to. This is your last chance. I, I, told, I told him it was his last chance. You know? 
And I remember, uh, okay, God, I'm just going to go. And I just started to speak, and the Holy Spirit gave me utterance. And I thought, I could have done that in the chair. I could have done that in the chair. Okay, we're waiting for God to do it all. But whenever there's something supernatural, there's two parts. God's part and man's part. He says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, you can lay hands on them, but you can't. You couldn't heal a mosquito with a broken wing. But, but God can. So you do the natural and put hands. God does the supernatural and God heals. They're, they're out on the sea and, and Jesus is walking on the water. And Jesus says to Peter, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk. Now you say, well, that was supernatural. No, we walk every day. All my grandkids walk. Some of them are only a year old. They walk. Right? Except for one, Esther. She's, she's only two months. She doesn't walk in. Walking is not supernatural. God got underneath so it didn't sink. He didn't sink. That was supernatural. Right? There's a natural part. There's a supernatural part. And it's the same when it comes to speaking with tongues. There's a natural part and there's a supernatural part. Now, somebody said, why would I even want to do that? Well, there, there, there's a number of reasons, by the way. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, that if you speak in an unknown tongue, your spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. Your spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. And your mind is unfruitful. I don't know if you realize this, but most of your problems are in between your ears. And, and God's like, we're just going to do a Holy Ghost bypass operation. We're just going to bypass that mess that you've got up in your mind. And we are just going to, we, we're just going to go straight with your spirit communicating with God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 tells us that if you speak in an unknown tongue, you don't speak to men but to God. To God. Now, how many know talking to God's good? We call it prayer, right? And it's your spirit by the Holy Spirit talking to God. Somebody said, well, I heard them and I didn't understand them. Well, quit eavesdropping. You're not, they're not talking to you. They're talking to God. <laughs> in fact, it says no man understands them. Howbeit in the spirit, they speak mysteries. All right? Uh, you could almost say it this way. It's like when you're speaking in tongues, it's like in a divine code. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. We're in an edifice. It's a building. And it's literally saying that you build yourself up spiritually. Again in Jude, verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's like charging your battery. All right. Now, to, to, to finish this off, I want to just tell a story. Right? Some of you have heard this story before, but I haven't told it in a year, and I want to hear it again myself. So you're just going to have to listen. <laughs> Every year, practically on the, on the day of Pentecost. But in, in 1980, Gene and I are living in Mexico, and I get invited to go to a church in Tepeapulco, Hidalgo. Right? And preach Pentecost Sunday morning. Right? So I drive over to this church. And, and by the way, it is like a super Pentecostal church. And, and uh, the last time I was there, the church was painted white. And they had purple flames of fire all the way around the top. Merle, you've been there. Wait, wait, everybody. Merle's been there. All right. And so I get there early, and I spend some time with pastor, and we're talking, we're praying, and we get to the service, and the service has already started. Right? And we're up on the platform, and uh, there's a bunch of chairs up there, and there's elders and some of the pastors, and, and uh, pa pastor and I are sitting up on there, and, and the worship's going on. 
And, and this church, I've got to let you know about this church. This church, it, it has got two sets of pews. They're about the size of this, this set right here, right? One over here, one over there. Now, all the women sit on this side, right? All the men sit on this side. And in church, never shall they cross, okay? Women, men, right? Secondly, all women have their head covered. And it's a cultural thing, right? But it means that they're in submission to their husband. I, I, re I was preaching in a village once. And I, after service, we went to the, one of the elders' houses. And, and I don't know what he did wrong, all right? But his wife was ticked, right? And we're sitting at the table. We're, we're having coffee and beans. And, and she comes up to him. She takes her head covering. She threw it on the floor. She stomped on it. And she began talking to him in Odomi. And she She literally, she went in the corner and prayed. So in that culture, all right, it's just a sign like I'm in submission, all right? And the other thing you need to know is there was a dress code in church. There's actually a sign that says no women in pants allowed, right? Because pants were considered extremely, uh, cult, extremely, extremely worldly. All right. So with that said, I'm on the platform and I'm watching that center aisle and a man comes in and right behind him a woman follows, right? He, she, she's maybe seven, eight paces behind him. And she walked in, he made his way onto the men's side, crowded in and got a space. And I saw her follow him and sit right next to him. That was bad. She had no head covering on and she was wearing pants. So I knew immediately, this is a sinner. <laughs> this is a sinner woman. I mean, she's on the wrong side. She doesn't have a head covering and she's wearing pants, all right? The worship service has already started. I mean, she sits down and I'm watching her. And I'm pastors watching her. And I mean, she sits down and just immediately, she just begins to just weep and weep, right? As the song service is going on. And I'm like, whoa. Well, here's, here's what she told me later. She said, I was on my way to work. I'm a hairdresser. She said, and, and I was at the bus stop waiting for the bus. And she says, and something just came on me. She said, and I just said, God, I'm a mess. My family's a mess. God, I need you. I need you. God, just help me. And when she opened her eyes, there was a man next to her with a black book. And outside said, Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. And she just said to herself and God, she said, I don't know where he's going, but I'm going with him. I'm not even going to work. He got on the bus, she got on the bus, sat right behind him. They went several blocks down the road. He pulled the cord, got off, she got off, followed him. I saw them, two of them, walk through the back door. Right. So I get up and preach. Now, you got to know, they, 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 they want you to preach, right? I think I preached for about an hour and a half, all right? Don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're not doing that this morning. I got to finish this quick, all right? So, so... So I'm preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is a Pentecostal church, and I figured everybody's baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right? So it's, a, it's an altar call. I said, I said, if you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, would you please come forward? All right? 
And it, it just blew me away. It was like people jumped. I mean, like, whoa. There's some place between 120 and 150 people. Whoa. Right? And the woman with the pants on. Now, first of all, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian. You'd blow up. Something would happen. But you cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian. All right? And I know she's not a Christian because she got pants on, wrong side, no head covering. You know what I'm talking about. You're, all right. So, so crafty fellow I am, I lead everybody in a sinner's prayer. And then I lead them in a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. And then I go down, right down here on the steps, on the women's side, because women are smarter than men spiritually. And they are more spiritual typically and receive easier. So I came to this side and I said to the first woman, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you sense something in the inside, you just begin to speak that out. I said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to lay hands on her. Her hands shot up in the air. Right? She began speaking in tongues as loud. Now, number one, I'm just, I'm giving you a report. I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you what happened. She began speaking in tongues as loud as she could. When she did, every other person in the church jumped to their feet, threw their hands in the air, and they all started speaking in tongues as loud as they could. So I went to the next person and I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. <laughs> and when I do, right, lay hands on her. Right, I, I pray six, seven people, and I've been preaching for an hour and a half, and now I've been yelling for a while. So I go up, this big old, big old podium up there, and there's a glass of water, and I'm just checking because I've already sent all the elders and the pastors to the other side. Right? And I'm just checking how things are going. And up pops one of the elders. And he says to me, he's crying, and he says, I'm, I'm praying for people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And I said, good, get back down there. <laughs> and he said, no, you don't understand. He said, I've been in the church for 30 years, and I've never received the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying for people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. What's wrong with me? Now, here, here's what happened. He believed that he had to earn the Holy Spirit. That's what he really believed. He had to earn. And here was interesting. That, that lady with the pants, wrong side, no head covering, prayed for her. She receives. She'd been saved five minutes, ten minutes. He's been trying for 30 years. So I said to him, I said, no, I said, I've got a word for you from the Lord. Now, he thought God had spoken to me. But all, I did have a word from Luke chapter 11 where Jesus said, everyone that asks receives. And I said, I said well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Ask to receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And I, I remember I didn't even get to pray for him. Didn't even get to pray for him. He just begins to speak in a beautiful heavenly language. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Gift. He didn't even have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give to somebody else. When John the Baptist said that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, it means that every person who's ever baptized in the Holy Spirit is baptized by Jesus. Right? We can come by, lay hands on them, and help our faith and unite our faith with their faith. But everybody receives from Jesus, the head of the church. And do you know something? Everything Jesus wants for you, you should want it with all of your heart, with all your heart. Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't leave town without this. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. He said, because I'm going to endue you 
with power from on high. I have something for you that's going to equip you to do all that I've called you to do. Amen. I want to ask you something. Have you received Jesus or do you just know about him? Because so often we know about God. We know about Jesus, but that knowledge has not changed our life. So the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. It's not enough to just know about him. We need to receive him as our Lord, as our Savior. And if you're saying, I need to get right with God today, I'm away from God, I've never received him, I know about him, would you bow your head and pray this prayer with me? And we're going to do what the Bible says, and we're going to receive Jesus. Just make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. And today, I give him all of my heart and all of my life. And I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart and you received him, God heard that prayer. And you are forgiven and right with God. You're on your way to heaven. But you need to keep growing spiritually. And I wrote a small book that I want to send you. It is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. Now, you can download it absolutely free. And the information is right there on your screen. And if you need a hard copy, you let us know. We will send you a hard copy free of charge. I want to thank you for being with us. We love you. We pray for you daily. God bless. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Pentecost, in the WBF store. You can also download the scriptures for this message under the on-demand page. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the giving option that's right for you. If God is using Walking by Faith to change your life, we would love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook or send us an email to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Ruth, her family's past and her future. We'll see you then.